0: Welcome to A Lawyer's Guide to the Galaxy, a podcast about geek culture by lawyers with your hosts, Ben Siders and Kirk Damon. And welcome back to a podcast that asks interesting questions that don't have any answers. With your host, Ben Siders, that's me, and the other guy is Kirk Damon. We are intellectual property lawyers and certified geek practicing law in St. Louis, Missouri. You can find me, Ben, on Twitter at Benjamin Siders. You can find Kirk at KirkDMN. And you can follow this podcast on Twitter at LGGPod. For today's Edamame episode, Kirk and I are going to uh, speculate wildly. This is one of those episodes where we do have an answer. Interesting question is what would we do differently with the Star Wars sequels if we were put in charge of it and we have answers uh, I recorded mine a couple days ago I think uh, Kirk recorded his before that uh, I have not listened to Kirk's yet but I will not be surprised if it's uh, similar to my own uh, so we'll get to that I'm going to put my thoughts in first and then Kirk's and then come back and uh, wrap it up you know in my perfect world where I don't have to worry about uh, focus groups and and selling uh, movie tickets and things like that. I probably would have gone in a completely different direction. I probably would not have started where they started by bringing back all the old actors and then telling a new story again the, the exact same way. So that's that's the first. I you know I understand why they did what they did, but Episode Seven was just a soft reboot to Episode One, bridging the gap from the old cast to the new cast and i i get the impression and maybe i'm wrong that the idea was to introduce these new characters for a whole uh sequence of of films uh but that's that's not not going to happen but that's all episode 7 really had to do is is reintroduce a next generation to the star wars universe and it did that successfully but it just it just rehashed the first episode without taking a lot of risks you can just kind of see it in the structure of the story that they really didn't know how to get to star wars Outside of the framework of the outgunned rebellion fighting against the big evil empire, and and the way they did that was to just say, oh, we have this first order without really telling us what it is or where it came from, other than it's the empire. Still, it's got an, an evil guy that has you know evil wizard powers in a dark suit and a mask. So you've got your Darth Vader. Uh, he doesn't fully get along with the conventional military guys he works with. They've built a super weapon. They're trying to control the galaxy. And And just as in the opening strokes of Star Wars, the Emperor dissolves the Senate... In *A Force Awakened, they just obliterate the entire Republic capital. You know, it's, it's it's all the same broad the broad narrative strokes with some of the personalities rearranged. You've still got your Force sensitive protagonist who doesn't really understand uh, her heritage, growing up basically isolated on a desert planet. The Obi Wan Kenobi role was kind of replaced by Han Solo. The Han Solo role was kind of replaced by Poe Dameron. And it's, it's it's all it all kind of follows on. As I was watching episode seven I, seven, I remember thinking. It's just the same thing again. I mean, it's, it's well done, but it's just the same thing again. So I, I would not have gone that way with it. It was fun to watch, but at the end of the day, in hindsight, I did not find the, the characters or the storylines in the sequel all that interesting or compelling. And I think it's because I've seen these characters before. I've been told this story before. I know how it's going to end. I wasn't gripped by it. It didn't capture my imagination the way that uh, the original trilogy did. If you're going to bring the old cast back, they're They're all thirty years older, so or 40 years older, so you have to you have to set it in an appropriate time frame. But I, I would have made them more in the background. I would have had Luke kind of in the Obi-Wan role as the wise old Jedi Master who's training the new generation. I would have not had the whole thing where there's no Force. Again, that's going back to Episode Four where there aren't a whole lot of Jedi, the whole Jedi Temple thing, or the, the Jedi Academy never took off. It's all been destroyed, and there's nobody who can use the Force. I, I wonder if maybe they didn't want to have sort of a fledgling new jedi uh you know council or a group of young jedi because it would feel too much like the prequels, and that just didn't go over well, and uh, they wanted to get away from that concept. but I think you could still have it be something where Luke caught it struck a balance in between, where he started a temple, but only trained a very, very small handful of, of Jedi working closely with them. And really, I mean, there's a lot you could have done with the story of how he prevents things from, from getting out of, you know, out, of, out of balance again and I would not have separated Han and Han and Leia. Last saw them at the end of Return of the Jedi and it was a happy ending then we find out that it wasn't happy after all. I would have kind of had those characters all be in the backdrop. In fact, what I would have done is made references to the Zahn novels to establish that those were also part of the canon and then play, you know, introduce some of those characters play off of that. You know, there's there's a lot that could have been done with that. Grand Admiral Thrawn is in um, you know, some of the cartoons. I don't know why they didn't do that, but I would have had um, our, our main characters sort of be generally approaching retirement and and sort of taking a back seat and being more mentors for a new cast of of younger characters. who are facing a different kind of threat. Maybe uh, an adult, you know, offspring of uh, Han and Leia, be in the Jedi training, have a Ben Solo. That part was nice. His name was Ben. That made sense. Uh, Luke was training him. That made sense and then have the story be about about his temptation and, and fall to the dark side where there's some some force attacking the republic it's you know it's still been only you know f- maybe it's been only 15 years since the mopping up action against the empire there's still pockets of resistance from the empire there's political division from within the rebellion on what to do it's hard to make all these worlds work together there's a story that you could tell there that would be i think more interesting than now there's another rebellion and another empire so that's still- up one. I think the, the positions and the roles that the original cast occupied was a little too prominent. Second major thing I would have done differently, and so I'm going to assume that they ignored my first thing uh, and made the movie that they made. The second thing I would have done differently is in episode eight, I, I think I've said this before, I think the biggest mistake they made is having that start so fast on the heels of episode seven. Um, we We really needed to have a little time for the characters to have some off-screen development to to re you know resituate themselves in the story where we need them to be to continue the story conceptually episode eight is basically the same movie as seven I mean it starts like five minutes later that timing is awkward and doesn't really work it further constricts the timeline of of Ray's development with the Force which was already pretty compressed I, I think I think we did time to 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 let Ray and Finn and Poe let those characters all breathe a little bit off screen and figure out where they needed to be in the story. Where does the story need to go? What direction do we want these characters to grow in? And then start moving them in that direction. But since 8 started so quickly after 7, in terms of the internal timeline of the story, that opportunity was just never there. And that's in part because of how 7 left us on a cliffhanger with Ray handing that lightsaber to Luke. So I think if they had let some time pass, it doesn't have to be a lot of time, but at least, you know, three, six months, maybe a year between the end of Seven and the beginning of Eight, and then they can reintroduce us to the narrative where, you know, we can reinsert our, ourselves into the story at, uh, at a sensible place as opposed to having it basically chosen for us. And that choice was was basically made by J.J. Abrams in Seven with that final scene. We pretty much had to pick up there. And uh, my, my third point, and probably the most important that really plays into all of these is I just don't understand at all how they could sit down and plan a three movie Star Wars narrative without actually planning a three movie Star Wars narrative. They, they didn't make JJ sit down and like figure out where his story was going and, and develop the, the whole art. And while there are a lot of movies or you can get away with not paying attention to the details. Geek cultures are not among them. You can't you can't gloss over that stuff in Star Wars. You can't gloss over it in Star Trek. Those details are what makes those movies what they are. By not doing that work up front, I, I feel like Disney just fundamentally didn't understand uh, to, to some extent had the opposite mistake George Lucas made with the prequels it felt like Disney just didn't understand what makes Star Wars, Star Wars and they just made bland science fiction adventure movies set in this universe with, without really any fidelity to the, you know, the the details of the world building that that the nerds love they don't, they don't have to do that, they're free to do what they want but that's I think that's why if you're a big Star Wars fan, that's one of the reasons why the sequels, although they're well-made films, and I found them entertaining, just didn't grab you the way that like a traditional Star Wars movie did. And it's not just because we saw them when we were kids and they were part of our childhood. I think it's because they just didn't have that attention to detail. So that's my thoughts on that. On the subject of Lucas, you know, I think that the prequels also showed that George Lucas didn't fully understand what made Star Wars work, and that some of the limitations in terms of budget and technology that he had to work around in the original movies helped make those movies what they are. You know, Lucas's strength is a creative visionary. The the man's um, ability to just conceive of, just goofball out their ideas is is remarkable, but not all of them are filmable. Uh, Not all of them are uh, suitable for translation into an organized, coherent narrative. And what we saw with the prequels is when those those technological and budgetary and editorial limitations were lifted. Uh, we got a mess that nobody really was able to take and shape and mold. And at the end of the day, what's the the verdict on Star Wars? You've got episode four, which was uh, lightning in a bottle. and It was a a movie that that could have potentially been terrible, uh, but it was saved by uh, brilliant editing, a soundtrack, pretty much that. I'll put it in the show notes, but there's a great video of how Star Wars was originally cut and then how it was recut to make the narrative flow better. And and a lot of the stuff that was left on the, the cutting room floor, is the kind of just juvenile almost infantile comedic antics we saw in the prequels and you know some some of those some of George's more um, questionable filmmaking and narrative impulses were, were there from the beginning, but they were cut out in Star Wars. So, so you've got, you've got that film, which is sort of, uh, you know, like I said, lightning in the bottle, a convergence of fortunate events and the right, you know, right people with the right talents at the right time. And then you've got, uh, Empire Strikes Back, uh, also a fantastic film on its own, original screenplay by, I think, Lee Brackett, not George Lucas, not even Lawrence Kasdan. Uh, Brackett was an old pulp, uh, sci-fi writer from, gosh, She may have been writing uh, 30 or 40 years before Empire Strikes Back. You know, she put the the, the narrative framework in place. I think Lawrence Kasdan also had a hand in that script. And that is, by by any reasonable standard, the best of the the films. You've got Return of the Jedi, which The the Rescue of Han Solo is, is a fun set piece. Uh, that takes about 45 minutes. And then there's a lot of, of not much. We have loose confrontation, and then the whole thing on Endor was just to give Han and Leia and Chewie and the droid something to do, because their stories were pretty much done. So, you know, M- Jedi is kind of a mixed-up mess of the story. The prequels, of course, were not great, and the sequels were well-made, but also un- uninspired. So 11 films, you've got one really standout film in, in Empire Strikes Back, and you've got one really sort of groundbreaking film in Star Wars, and then a whole lot of films ranging from just terrible to well well done, but not amazing. And that's where we are. So, on some level, sometimes it kind of feels like uh, the, the greatness of Star Wars has really just been coasting on the back of a couple of, of good films, and combined with childhood nostalgia, and then all the extended universe stuff that, that we've all enjoyed. It, it definitely captured our imaginations, but I guess the best way I can say it is, I, it captured our imaginations, but that it hasn't translated into imaginativeness or creativity in the other films. If nothing else, Lucas at least tried to do something kind of different with the prequels, and then in the sequels just played it safe, stayed as far away from that as possible, and just went right back to that same well. And Anyway, so those are my hot takes on what I would have done differently with the uh, the sequel trilogy. Uh, one, position the, the legacy cast uh, differently in the narrative. Two, give more breathing room to the new cast members between films. And then three, plan this out better from the start. Have an idea of what kind of story you want to tell and where it's going, the lack of of narrative and creative direction in the in the sequels really just made it feel like a, a sequence of scenes involving characters and, and nothing really tying it all together. Those are my thoughts. I'm going to kick it over to Kirk now and see what he thinks.
1: I am back again for another Edamame episode, um, another one of our short podcasts where I talk to my phone and Ben is not here. <laughs> for those of you who may be getting tired of these. And, um, you know, we'll hopefully end up in the studio here eventually And can actually uh, integrate and talk with each other um, I know Ben's have been a little more fun than my have, I think uh, He can actually play guitar And so has managed to uh, incorporate his guitar in some of the prior episodes um, I can't do that I could incorporate the piano into mine uh, But I don't necessarily see that as being potentially valuable <laughs> um, So anyway, we're just going to talk about sort of a few more things This is definitely a nerdy one um, We're going to talk about sort of the nerdy things And it's a topic that Ben proposed uh, I know he's going to probably do one of these things with it, but the basic topic was, what would we have done differently um, if we were the ones who were, you know, essentially executive producing the Star Wars sequels? Uh, so we get to produce um, episodes uh, 7, 8, and 9, um, and decide what they are going to be. What would we have done differently than what happened? And this rose out of it. I think it's a great comment. We, we obviously had some gripes um, in conjunction with them, but what would we have done differently? I, I looked at this question and said, I think it's interesting. It's always fun to sort of take these hypotheticals as to what it is. Um, but I, I mine also—my answer became very clear to me um, very quickly. I think the number one thing that I would have done is I would have had a coherent three-story story arc. Um, I think I would have had all three scripts written at once to be one coherent story um, so that the three movies flowed directly into each other Um I definitely grew up in the uh, age of a syndication um, watching television, which was not something that, you know, necessarily flowed. Uh, You had two part episodes, you know, the to be continued infamous episodes uh, from one and two. But you Most part episodes stood alone You had a a basic portion of it I know we've talked about this previously uh, Discussion with Star Trek um, That Star Trek episodes stand alone They're not something you need to watch in order Um, You can readily watch them out of order Now there are certain things that obviously happen in season one Which are referred to in season two and so on But for the most part uh, they are not episodes that you need to see There are also obviously two part episodes um, The idea of the end of season cliffhanger to be continued um, And obviously two part episodes uh, Even during the course of uh, of an individual season um, but I think the, the creation um, definitely one of my favorite science fiction shows ever. Babylon Five. Um, I think Babylon Five started the idea that you could have an entire season uh, be coherent and be a coherent story. Uh, it was obviously written as a five year arc. Um, when he wrote it, he had a plan of what each year was going to be. I always think the the, the great thing about about Babylon Five, and I understand it did win it, uh, was nominated and did win it. Um, season three was nominated for the Hugo Award uh, for science fiction, which. The issue was is it had to be one episode or one multi-episode continuous arc. So you could nominate a two-part, classic two-part episode. Um, and season three was nominated as one arc. Um, and as far as I know, it was actually nominated and did actually win. I may be wrong about that. Um, but that's that's sort of my understanding. So... I think that 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 show dramatically changed the way we looked at television that said we can now have these ongoing arcs. And I think television today basically says we do have these ongoing arcs. Um, These things are not standalone. Now, in movies, I think you still have more of a standalone feel. Um, I think even if we were to take the um, Marvel Universe movies, which obviously interconnect, um, they still also stand alone as movies while they have interconnecting components uh they definitely stand alone as movies. You can watch them out of order uh, except for probably um you know infinity war <laughs> um and uh and and the end sagas of it um without having necessarily a problem or, you know, even watching ones about individuals. So you could probably watch the Thor movies out of order without, you know, them necessarily not being entertaining uh, without you not necessarily understanding what's going on. So I think we do need to look at the idea that movies need to be a little bit different than television. Television, I think, has a much more serialized or less serialized format now with the idea that says, hey, we can place everything in order. Um, and have an entire season basically be one long, very long episode, whereas movies, even to the extent that they try to have a continuous storyline, they, they have some individual standalone nature of it, um, much more so. But I do think that that's really what Star Wars, the, the sequels really had the problem with is they just didn't have a coherent storyline. I think certain of the, uh, people got very into the storyline of, of episode seven, um, I uh, for one, you know, particularly like the story line of episode 8, but you know, episode 9 didn't necessarily play off of episode 8. Episode 8 didn't necessarily play off of episode 7. Episode 9 did not necessarily play off episode 7. And so, I think it's one of those where you really had a trouble of sort of what was going on, where was this going and it was supposed to be a story arc. Um I think when you look at, you know, the original Star Wars movies again, um New Hope, Empire Strikes Back, and of the Jedi, episode 4, 5 and 6, um Obviously, episode four was designed to be a standalone movie. Um, it was never intended to be anything else. Uh, but I think Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi obviously sort of flow together a little bit better while also still being standalone movies. Um, I really would have seen this as flow, you know, much more. And so that's, I think, my number one comment of if I had it to do and I get to be, you know, supreme overlord of the Star Wars universe Um I would have made it that, you know, hey, we're going to write all three of these scripts uh, together. They're going to be a coherent story. Yes, each is going to be a standalone movie, but we're going to go towards a clear end point um, as to what it is. So that's my number one. My number two, um, and I think... I had actually commented in in repeated episodes of this podcast previously. I really hoped they would end the Star Wars saga. Um, And I think that's one of the things that I would have done um, or ended the Skywalker saga, I should say, not Star Wars saga. Um, I really would have liked it to have been a definitive ending um, that these characters are not going to continue. Um, this is the end of this arc. Uh, I really kind of see it as it's, Hey, this is a nine movie arc, which we can look at and say, this is a defining moment in the star Wars universe, but that is what it is. It is a moment. It's a, a single war. Uh, if you want to look at it sort of being that way, um, now maybe we look at it and say there's a a prequel and a lead up to that war, um, which is even its own war, the Clone Wars. Um, you then have the you know sort of rebellion coming out of that, the fall uh, of the Republic and the formation of the Empire. And then in the group of three, uh, you have the sort of then fall of the Empire. I think in three, I would have made it much more the idea that we have uh, a potential sort of rebirth of the Empire or uh, the idea of mopping up the Empire. Um, but the empire coming back, you know, whether we call it first order, whether we call it the empire, whatever you want to call it. Um, but that it's, it's sort of not dead yet. <laughs> a, uh, a zombie coming back. But then at the end uh, of episode nine, I think it would have been something where no, it is now dead. Um, this is not continuing. I think we could have left open. You know, yes, there can be more Sith. Um, we can have you know the continuation of Jedi's. That you know, balance must be maintained. But for purposes of this, the Star, the Skywalker saga is is over. You know, the Skywalker family is no longer um, the defining moment behind this. Um, and I think that's the real thing about episodes. You know, one through nine. Again, sort of. I think the the core of Star Wars, and um, the Star Wars universe is this is the story of one family. It's the stories of the Star. Of the Skywalker family, um, which end up on both sides of the equation, um, which end up, you know, causing more, you know, trauma to the universe than any one family should be capable of doing. Uh, but that's what they do, and that's why, again, I say, I look at it and say, this is a defining moment of the universe. But it, it needed to end, um, and we could then have stuff in the future where it would be, hey, remember that time in the past. Uh, where this was, you know, where this happened, you know, where the, the empire was formed, where we had this, you know, isn't that great that that's over? But, you know, yet we still have to hunt down Sith Lords, you know, there are those who want to bring back the empire. Um, but it it would, you know, we, 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 if we wanted to do another major arc, it would be something that would be its own arc, own characters, uh, even if it's based in the same universe. So definitely that's my number two um, is I would have, like I said, uh, number one, I would have had it had a coherent storyline across all three movies, and that coherent storyline would have led it to an end, and that end would be an end. Um, it would really be the end of the Skywalker saga as part of it, um, and I sort of theorized that they potentially would go this way, not really thinking they would. Um, I would not have any Star- Skywalker survive. Um, uh, I think it would be something where it's nope that's going to be over we're going to end this sort of family dynasty um, and that that would be a definitive part of the ending. So anyway, I think those are the the primary things that I would change uh, in the course of looking at it. I think um, there's some things I would have kept the same. I would have liked to have multiple directors um, across the three movies um, just to give it, each one a slightly different feel um, to see sort of what it is in much, again, the same way that we saw in Star Wars, Empire Strikes Back, and Return of the Jedi. Um, I think I would have kept uh, some of the th- some of the elements of it that i thought were very good um i think i'm one of the few people that kind of appreciated the explanation of how the sith work at the end um of last skywalker while I-, I found it a little bit unsatisfying i did appreciate the fact that they were at least trying to do it and sort of explain the other half we had some ideas of what the jedi are but the idea of what actually is the sith um what are the dark jedi and and where do they come from um I like the idea of, of the ambiguity um, and I don't think they played off it nearly enough uh, of the idea of Luke not necessarily believing in the Jedi Order anymore and the idea that maybe a uh, balance in the Force is obtained by not having black and white but by having grey um, so we don't have uh, uh, Sith and Jedi in conjunction with it but instead what we have is this this idea of this grey order in between which is both um, I think that's something that could be very well played on and the idea that hey, there may be a separation, there may be a coming together um, I think that's, that's one of the things I would have had One other thing I think I would have done differently Um, and I know this is probably going to be a little bit controversial Um, I would have done a better job of tying up some of the stuff from the prequels I actually thought there was some good ideas in the prequels. Many of them were poorly executed but I thought there were some good ideas. Uh, sorry midichlorians, no. You're not included in my things that I would have liked to have brought back and made better. But the prophecy is one. Um, I think that the contemplation of the prophecy of bringing balance to the force um, would have been something that would have been a lot of fun to play with. And again, my comment always with it is is it amazes me that Mace Windu, uh, sitting in the Jedi Council, knowing that he is surrounded by thousands of Jedi Knights or hundreds at least, uh, this is entire Powerful Jedi Council, and that there is one evil Sith out there thinks that balance to the Force somehow means that evil is going to get defeated. Um, or the Sith are going to get defeated. Balance means you know that, that that the Sith are going to get more powerful. Um, and so I, I like that idea. I like the idea of playing off of that in the in the prequels, that that is exactly what happened is that balance is brought to the Force by making the Sith more powerful. Um, the destruction of the Jedi Temple was what was, you know, sort of foreseen in the prophecy. But then I think you could extend that and sort of say that in the later episodes, we effectively have the the Sith becoming more powerful. Um, in conjunction with the initial downfall of Vader in Return of the Jedi, we have maybe a little more breaking even. But at the same time, we still have Luke, unfortunately, now being the lone Jedi and being on the good side. And have really focused uh, much more the idea of the the last three movies being a question of what is good and what is evil. Um, you know, what is the Sith? What are the Jedi? Uh, and making it more of an individual journey. And I think we could have readily done that. Through children, um, I think the idea of, you know, having to be, you know, children's characters, having to be somehow related um, would have been uh, fine. So anyway, those are the kind of things that I think I would have changed. There's obviously a few sort of nitpicking small points I would have changed, but many of them had I have gotten my way with these bigger ones that would have never happened in the first place. Um, I think there was a distinct loss of the fact that Captain Phasma was a potentially fun character that they did nothing with. Um, there are a large number of characters that I think they didn't do anything with. I think there's also, and it's, it's an unfortunate thing. I think of movies generally and particularly of franchise movies like star Wars. Uh, I think there's too much focus on needing to introduce new characters to introduce new toys, uh, introduce new products in order to introduce new toys, um, you know, it would have been nice to have seen a little more consistency. You know, we didn't necessarily need uh, a new, you know, stormtrooper. Um, you know, being the first order trooper, we could have potentially kept it as, hey, it's still the same iconic stormtrooper, maybe have some modifications. When we look at sort of the stormtrooper versus the snowtrooper, for example, and, and um, in Empire Strikes back um, you know we could have had the idea with it And again, I think just kind of keeping it as it's a little more coherent of a universe. I think jumping completely from the Empire into the first order and making the first order so powerful um, and in this sort of crazy uh, you know Armageddon way um, they were they were they were too much of an enemy um, you know for the new Republic. I think it would have worked better to have made it a little bit potentially um, that hey they're more of an upstart. Uh, and something that, you know, hey, we've got to deal with, they're dangerous, but, you know, this is not a we can go out and destroy things, you know. We did not need to have them blow up Coruscant with a giant star killer base that resembles a, an overgrown version of the Death Star. We readily could have had that done by a terrorist attack, uh, by a small group of people carrying out some kind of awful terrorist attack. Um, and that being the resurgence. In some sense, it's kind of a little bit, I think, as to what we saw in um, Clone Wars. Um, and the animated Clone Wars series and some of the plays in conjunction with, like, The Mandalorian um, and things like that and things that occurred during Clone Wars. Clone Wars focused, I think, on a lot more on smaller uh, engagements and smaller episodes partially because of the fact that it's scope um, and it being, you know, focused entirely on the Clone Wars and focused on, on small things related to it, if nothing else, for its its teaching value. Um, this is obviously a, a series designed for kids um, and the very fact that, you know, it gives a, a statement at the beginning, which is sort of the things you should learn, uh, from watching this episode but anyway those are sort of my thoughts in conjunction with, i don't know what that has to say i have the feeling we may have some similarities we may have some differences here but that's uh, my take so anyway i'll leave you guys with that total geeky episode uh, no law in this one just talking about star wars and again we're talking about star wars because we always talk about star wars uh, so anyway i will leave you guys with that and hopefully you enjoyed this uh, little edamame episode and i'll talk to you soon
0: Okay, so there you have it. That is what Star Wars, uh, the Star Wars sequels seven, eight, and nine, uh, might have uh, looked differently, or might have looked like. That would be different from what they actually did. If Kirk and I were in charge, I will be curious to hear what Kirk had to say. I'm sure he'll be curious to hear what I had to say. Uh, but I, I, I suspect there'll be similar uh, types of things just based on conversations Kirk and I have already had. So, uh, at any rate, uh, that's all for this episode. Uh, we've got a whole bunch of stuff kind of loaded up. I'm ready to go here. Kirk sent me maybe a half dozen more uh, little pieces of content. Not all of it is uh, is enough for a full episode. One of them that he sent me is like literally two minutes of him talking about something. Uh, but we'll be kind of putting those together and mixing and matching them and uh, trying to keep the content flowing here so that you uh, you have some stuff to listen to uh, while we are still dealing with the COVID situation, which as of today, which is June 19. Uh, by the way, happy Juneteenth. And uh, we will be uh, continuing to get that out as we deal with this COVID situation, which is uh, moving on, marching on, continuing to uh, bedevil us. So hopefully we have uh, one of those innovative COVID solutions Kirk was talking about in a prior episode soon. So that's all I've got. That's all for today. We'll see you next time. More play us out. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of nor are they endorsed by Lewis Rice LLC, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. This podcast was produced and recorded in St. Louis, Missouri.